This week, I'm up in Snohomish at Scrappy Punk Brewery. Snohomish has a surprisingly lively beer scene. Turns out there's actually six breweries up there, all within biking distance of each other. So if you can make the 35-mile bike ride from Seattle to there, then you're golden for the whole day. Scrappy Punk is a tiny little brewery in a garage on the edge of Snohomish. One of the coolest places in town, so I definitely had to check it out this week on The Cycling Cicerone. This is Washington Beer Talk. Howdy. Howdy. My name is Greg Kursak. I'm the owner and founder of Scrappy Punk Brewing. It is just a beautiful day out here right now and just rode all the way up from Seattle, 35 miles-ish to get to Snohomish where Scrappy Punk is and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, he actually rode a camel, not a bike. <laughs> it's a really fast camel. So Scrappy Punk is this really small brewery up in Snohomish. Are you the Scrappy Punk, Greg? I am, I am the Scrappy Punk, You're yeah. the Scrappy Punk, okay. Um, you're the owner and founder, head brewer, only brewer, or is that right? Yeah, uh, we have a new brewer uh, named Rose. Uh, Rose is her first name, Ness is her last name. She's been doing a good job. Uh, she's pretty new, but she's been coming on board and uh, we're formalizing uh, her relationship with Scrappy Punk uh, as we speak. All right, that's great. Um, do you have any other like official employees or is that like, I know that you do a lot of volunteer. We have a, a contract uh, bartender that works occasionally, uh, Emily Nichols, she does a good job too. How long has Scrappy Punk been around? Uh, Scrappy Punk's been around <laughs> since it was a, a twinkle in my eye in January of 2015, but, but in reality it's been open since December of 2016. We actually opened in December of 2016. Okay, so that's two years. Wait. Yeah, it was right? about 23 yeah. months uh, from uh, conception to opening day. What was the conception moment? What was that? My wife and I were dual income, no kids. She knew we'd paid off all our debt. And uh, she knew I'd always wanted to start a brewery, so she looked over at me one day and said, hey, if you want to start a brewery, go ahead. And so I was like, thanks, that's cool. And I thought about it, and I, I decided to make it happen a couple weeks later. And then a month or two after that, she got pregnant on birth control. Uh, so uh, <laughs> all sorts of things change after that. Did Scrappy Punk suddenly become a stressful endeavor after that? It, it sounds like it was extremely stressful, yeah. Okay. Immediately extremely stressful. Um, I ended up, you know, fast forward to a month before uh, my daughter was born quit my software engineering job and became a stay-at-home dad. Mm -hmm. So we finished uh, building out and starting the brewery on half the amount of money we thought we were gonna have, you know, single income. We are living and, and starting a business on a single income. That was super stressful. It's part of what, uh, part of what made it uh, as, as small and scrappy as it is today, is just uh, the limited resources. Um, but yeah, it's still stressful. It's just stressful in a different way now. <laughs> now that I'm dealing with customers and, and uh, orders and and legal things and taxes and all sorts of stuff. What are we drinking right now? Uh, I think you're drinking a Vic Secret IPA. That's right. Uh, single hot Vic Secret, hot bursted at 15 minutes from the end of the boil with uh, a pound of Vic Secret in 50 gallons and then uh, two one pound dry hops of Vic Secret. And uh, I'm drinking uh, Tim Larson's uh, Strong Scotch Ale on Nitro. Tim Larson's a home brewer that came in and I offered to let him brew a Scotch Ale recipe on the system. So he did a good job. Nice. Do you guys do a lot of uh homebrew collab kind of stuff? Uh, not a lot. Uh, if I think someone's good and, you know, safe to work with, I might. But uh, it happens occasionally. Yeah. One of the things I noticed just coming around the brewery here is that you have, like, an extremely personal relationship with everyone who walks through the door. Like, wow. you're just super sociable, and this Thanks. place is, like, the hangout place. Everyone loves it. I Thank mean, to describe the brewery a little bit, I don't know, maybe you can describe. Um, no, no, I value listening. your perspective. Go ahead. I was just going to say oops, that... 
it's really small and it's really intimate and people come in and it basically is a, a scrappy little shed and it's definitely the smallest brewery I've ever been in. How, how big is the system? It's got to be a one barrel or uh, two the, barrel. The, the brewery is actually a three barrel system. Three barrel, okay. But uh, the building is only 700 square feet. Yeah. And that insane. includes the ADA sized bathroom. <laughs> there you go. I was just in, for reference, I guess, I was just at Mollusk Brewery, um, which is in Seattle. It's a brew pub. And their brewery space, where they brew, is 800 square feet. So their brewery is bigger than your entire yeah. brewery, seating area, bar, bathroom, and like, what, well, it's back there, storage room. So yep. there, it's, um, this place is tiny. You, can, you couldn't rent a studio this small in Seattle. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just scrappy, <laughs> I think. Okay, so let's see. What other beers do you like to brew? What kind of stuff? What, co what goes through your mind when you're trying to think of what to brew? I like to brew every, everything. Uh, I, don't, I don't usually brew sours. I, uh, uh, one, for lack of experience, and two, I, we got another really good brewery in town, uh, Spada Farmhouse. Uh, mm -hmm. John Spada really does a lot of sours, and I don't want to steal his thunder there. I don't think I could do a, as good of a job either. But uh, So yeah, anything but the sour, um, I'm, I think I'd be pretty good at. Okay. Um, so you've got something like, well, so, so speaking of the experience, you, uh, how did you start off brewing? I'm betting you were a home brewer for a while, and then at, you were talking about how you and your wife said, right. go ahead and do it. Yeah. What, was, what were the five years prior to that like? I was, home, uh, well, I was getting out of the Navy in uh, the mid-2000s, looking for uh, a guy friend to, uh, that was going to be a good influence, and eventually met this coworker. Uh, we both worked at a former job of mine, and I was like, this guy's pretty cool. You know, he'd make a good friend, and he's like, uh, he, one day he says, hey, you want to brew beer? Want to hang out and brew some beer? And I thought, that's stupid. That's for nerds. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and then he uh, he was like, all right, cool. And then he asked again, um, and I was like, yeah, sure, why not? I'll, I'll homebrew with you. And uh, so I did a bunch of research, and uh, we got some equipment and uh, brewed an old ale. An old ale is kind of in between an ESB and a barley wine. Mm. We brewed it on an electric stove with a, on a cookie sheet that was spanning two burners because one burner couldn't bring a, bring a pot to a boil. <laughs> so it's pretty low tech, and then uh, then we entered that old ale in the Oregon State Fair because this was down in the Portland area, and we won a second place ribbon. Uh, so that was that was really encouraging. Um, I'm not I'm not really big into entering competitions anymore, but that that was a good uh, morale boost to, to keep going. And, and I thought the despite thinking it was initially nerdy, I thought it was a good creative outlet. As soon as I started brewing, I was like, wow, making recipes and brewing is a cool creative outlet. And so that kind of captured my mind, and I just went with it from there. Wow, that's crazy. Been brewing, yeah, been brewing ever since. That's So you've got quite the voyage from Navy to software engineer, which I think is funny that you said brewing is for nerds, but you were a software guy. You mentioned your software. Yeah, guy. so I, I was a long time from, gosh, I could go way back to, uh, you know, the age of four or five or six in the, the Radio Shack Computer Center TRS-80 days. Uh, I've been a computer hobbyist programmer for quite a while. Uh, and then I, I took a took a couple year break from that when I was in the Navy and focused on on some social skills. Um, and so uh, I, I guess I had the perception that you know things could be nerdy and for nerds, and even though that that wasn't really fair. Yeah. What are some of the struggles that you've had along the way? Um, being an outstanding husband, outstanding father to a two year old. And being uh, hopefully an outstanding brewery owner and, and taproom, you know, server, all those things at the same time add up to more than 100%. If you want to, you know, be outstanding in three areas of yeah. your life, actually, you know, above board outstanding in three areas, 
that's going to require more time than you could possibly sustain for you know yeah. indefinitely. So that's that's the biggest struggle. And uh, other than that, um, being kind of ADD and and forgetting things like oh yeah, you need to pay your taxes and you know on these times you need to order malt. Uh, you need to remember to order cups, you know, all the things that I would, I would forget about as a regular person. I have to jog myself, you know, and say, hey, get organized. <laughs> Speaking of ordering cups and doing that, you have an interesting license, uh, your brewery. You don't, you can't serve food. You don't have a dishwasher. I think that's part of the right. rule. Right, I don't have a dishwasher. And, as, and so go, would you tell us about that a little bit? So, yeah, the, I talked to a supervisor at the Snohomish Health District and they said, uh, if, you, if you take uh, plastic cups out of their retail packaging and serve them to the customer and then throw it away and give them, or recycle it and give, give them a new one if they order another beer um, and you're not, not washing dishes, then you don't have to talk to the health district. So once I was assured by them that it was cool to open with no dishwasher and just plastic cups, I've been doing plastic cups ever since. And what was the rule for that? If you, if you were to serve with glass cups and put a dishwasher in, then you also would need to put in fire suppressant. And yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. I'd need a couple more sinks. I'd need to dig up the floor. I'd need to put in a, you know, more drainage. And it's, it's uh, some really weird things kick in with that. And I wasn't quite ready for those things. And so I decided to stick, stick with plastic cups. All kinds of things that wouldn't fit in a 700 yeah, square foot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So that definitely makes this like one of the more, I don't know, scrapped together kind of it's, places. It's absolutely scrapped together. And yeah. Part of that is because we cut our cut our income in half. <laughs> we yeah. cut $85,000 out of our income immediately. Mm -hmm. And so uh, <laughs> if you want to start a scrappy brewery, make sure you, you cut your income in half. You'll do great. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so I mean, so now that I guess now that we're now we're in that vein, do you want to talk about like the goals for the brewery, like the growth plans? The, uh, there's, you know? Sure, there's no growth plan, and I'm trying not to give up. Next question. All right. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I'm joking, but that's actually the the real answer. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I certainly don't want to move on uh, from that. that no, no, that's like, fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, do you feel like this is sustainable? Like this is the stuff you want to do? This is exactly the way you like it? I mean, ideally, you'd grab on a couple more hands because you said you're already overextended. So maybe you want to have yeah, a new having brewer. having more help uh, with with uh, the new brewer has been amazing. Having someone who can uh, relieve me on on Saturdays, you know, and work with Tapham is great. Um, it's it's really really that's been a really uh, fun kind of save by those couple people. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it, it's kind of mostly just me in a way, but uh, uh, we also have a bookkeeper accountant person mm -hmm. who's, who's been doing a lot of help. So those, those three people coming on have, uh, I try not to forget that they're you know integral part of the success of Scrappy Punk now. And, yeah. and even though at one point it was just me, now we're, we're slowly bringing people on to help. Do you want to tell me about the logo for Scrappy Punk? I've, I'm, I'm trying to look around for an example right now, but like it's this really great steampunk dude, and you had a pretty good story about, or I think you did. You know, I remember you telling me about. Yeah, I forget if the story was cool or stupid, but go ahead and tell it. Yeah. <laughs> oh no no I. Uh, no, it's uh, okay. Uh, yeah, so I here, here's the story. I I was looking for a logo. Uh, I, I dabble in art myself, but I'm maybe not good enough to do a you know a commercial pro brewery logo. And uh, so I, I went on this site called 99designs.com. And uh, started a, a contest for uh, a logo and uh, social media package for artwork. And I said, hey, uh, it's a brewery. It's named Scrappy Punk. Figure everything else out. You know, I'll, I'll pay you 600 bucks. And so uh, on 99designs.com, people then, you, you, you basically make a proposal and people submit artwork. And you go through a couple of rounds of elimination and you pick a winner. 
Um, so I did that. I got all, all sorts of ideas, some really horrible Disney princess ideas, uh, some pretty cool um, kind of mohawk street punk ideas. And, and the logo the logo that eventually won is this um, kind of uh, quasi-steampunk uh, brick background um, uh, guy, bearded guy with a monocle and a, a bionic arm. I, I saw that and I was like, wow, that's the winner right there. I didn't, didn't prompt him for any artwork or anything. I just said, hey, it's a, it's a brewery named Scrappy Punk. And this guy rocked, this guy from Europe, I think, rocked that logo and gave me the original, original pencil art and everything. That is a, it's a rad logo. And I'll make sure to share that in like the podcast notes or whatever so you can see that. So you brewed on a homebrew system, then you ramped it up to a, your three barrel. Yeah, so I brewed on homebrew for quite a while. Moved up from five gallons to ten gallons. Um, and then, uh, you know, fast did that for many years. Fast forward to opening a brewery. Um, I just jumped from 10 gallons to 100 gallons. <laughs> so that, that was an interesting jump, you know, like a, a 10x scale jump. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty much the same, except for everything was a lot hotter and all the grain was a lot heavier. Yeah. Uh, but other, other than that, if you're a good home brewer, you, you, you could probably be a good brewer. Uh, it's it's a lot different being a business owner than it is being a home brewer, but but being just the brewer at a brewery is you know there's a a lot of similarities to home brewing. It's except for you can't move your pots around, can't move your pots around to clean them. You have to you know clean them in place. But yeah. you uh, bolted all your homebrew pots to a a shelf that was outside of your reach and you couldn't reach in them, and then you had to brew and clean, you know, like that without tipping your pots or moving them in any way. Then that's it's kind of like what what brewing's like. <laughs> um. Is there any kind of advice or any th- anything you would say to anyone listening to this who thinks they want to own a br- oh, want to start a brewery? Yeah, if you're a home brewer and you're thinking about starting a brewery, uh, I think you're thinking about being a brewer at a brewery. Uh, if you're thinking about starting a brewery, you're really thinking about paying like three or four taxes, uh, managing three or four taxes, uh, managing uh, <clears throat> invoices that need to be paid to you, invoices that you need to pay, um, you know, on net thirty credit accounts and and uh, political relationships with other breweries and customers and all, all these random things that don't involve brewing. Yeah. So uh, th- those are those are fun and you can be good at them, but, but the home brewers who want to start a brewery I think are, are thinking about brewing at a brewery. And, and there's much, much, much more to owning a business than that. You mentioned political relationships with other breweries. I happen to know that you, or I happen to think that you and the other breweries here in Snohomish get along quite nicely. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, you. Uh, I, I see you guys get to do all kinds of fun things together. You recently worked a little bit on, like, you were mentioning the map that I think someone was pulling together, or you meant that you were trying to pull together. Yeah, there's, uh, a, there's a map we just got put together for uh, six breweries in Snohomish, and so that'll, that'll be kind of fun. Uh, different than the, the Cycling Cicerone map, but uh, same idea. Yeah. What kind of constraints do you have? I mean, because obviously you do have some constraints. You're not just there. You don't just get to do whatever you want creatively. You must have some constraints. I have, I have constraints in, in my perception of the, the general customer base desires. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so if they, if they are buying, you know, a certain type of beer, I'll brew more of that. Or if they say they don't like a beer, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be like, hey, I, I like it. Suck it up. It's, what, what are they just not going to order it? What yeah. I'm going to do, keep it on tab? Yeah. <laughs> What was a what's an example of a beer that maybe you stopped brewing? Uh, American Hefeweizen. Uh, really? I thought it was really good, but uh, it was really really unpopular. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Actually, I made a a surprise sound, but I never ordered those. So. Yeah. So. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Widmer Bros sort of took that one and yeah. ruined it, so we don't need <laughs> that anymore. Um, speaking of Widmer Bros, um, 
What do you think about? Are are you influenced by like the nature of the industry? Are you worried at all about all the shit that Budweiser's up to? Um, you know, buying breweries and shutting uh, it down, basically, or not really shutting yeah, it down, but yes, I'm influenced by the industry. Uh, for example, I, I'll, you know, I'm I'm not above doing a hazy, juicy IPA, whatever, whatever you want to call it, New England milkshake, whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Uh, I'm not I'm not above making my own interpretation of that and. Uh, so that's the first answer, and, and the second answer is yes. I'm uh, I'm concerned at a high level about the strategy of uh, of the the macro breweries protecting their goodwill in, in Budweiser and Bud Light at the expense of everything else. I, th I think that's uh, a little overly cap capitalistic and selfish. What do you mean by that? Protecting their goodwill. I think I think uh, I have this theory that uh, the breweries are buying up a lot of craft brewery stuff just to protect the. Uh, the goodwill in an economic sense of uh, their brand goodwill, that which means valued at you know some number of millions of dollars, yeah, and uh, possibly more than than many craft breweries put together. The idea that by so by goodwill you mean like sort of the idea that Budweiser is a, a force for good in the beer or, world, or customer perception. Uh, let's let's call it customer perception of their brand is valued at some number of dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, that that Budweiser is a good premium brand or whatever. Yeah. When in reality, most people would say, oh, no, Budweiser isn't a premium brand. But a long time ago, it was. And I think they've kind of been rolling with that economically for a while. And they're afraid to give that up. So they're, uh, sorry, this is a political rant. But, no, uh, this, is, this is what it's all about. Uh, but uh, I think it's in a, an appropriate area for a craft brewery to talk about it and not have a gigantic batch backlash. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I'm not trying to trigger a Melvin or dystopian state backlash or anything, but oh, the, uh, yeah. but yeah. So I, at, at a low level, so at a high level, those are my feelings. At a low level, I, I am sure I would get along with the Elysian guys or the you know the Ten Barrel guys and girls, I should say, um, et cetera, et cetera. And all the, all the people who uh, AB and Dev or Miller, you know, or Miller Coors or whatever own, I'm sure those people are cool and their beer is good. Um, I even think Bud Light is really well brewed, and it would be difficult to do a, a light rice lager that that well. Um, but at a, at a high level, I respectfully am, am, con am concerned by their strategy. Yeah. Does that make sense? Makes perfect cool. sense. It's exactly what I think. In yeah. The same way. I, Bud Light is. Uh, it's. I, I really like that beer. I used to drink it all the time. Yeah. I stopped only on principle. And right. I now drink Rainier, which I <laughs> also like, but think is worse. Yeah, I understand. And even that is only. Um, and that's only because sometimes you got to drink a light beer, right? Like you can't, like craft breweries aren't always making right. the Pilsner and the, the light lager that you kind of want, the American style lager sure. that, you know, you sort of wish you had every now and then. Yeah, you know, in, uh, in the, the spirit of market research, um, despite everything I, I've, I've said, uh, in the spirit of market research, you, you know, my, uh, my memories are only so good and they only last so long. So uh, every once in a while I'll do some market research and pick up some cheap cans of, you know, the, the beers we're talking about, mm -hmm. uh, Bud Miller Coors or whatever, just to refresh my memory so I can, I can speak with more authority. If someone says, what do you think of Bud Light, Greg? And I'll be like, well, I haven't had it in 15 years, but I don't like it. Well, if you, hadn't have, if you haven't had a beer in 15 years, then you don't remember what it's like. That's true. Uh, so I'll occasionally pick those up and refresh my memory just so I can have a little more authority when I talk about them. There you go. I, uh, I'm fond of saying that Bud Light has this distinct but subtle pomegranate flavor that you can only taste when you're drinking it in the shower. Uh, what else do you do in the shower <laughs> when you're drinking Bud Light? <laughs> Not really having that enjoyable of a time, I guess, if you're really thinking about it. But <laughs> nothing like a Pilsner in the shower. Um, wait, I can do a better joke. Let's see. Nothing like a... Nothing like a... 
a bower, a good bower, a good beer shower. No, no, no. Uh, you're getting too into golden, golden shower. shower. Yeah, no, I, I don't know if I'm ready to go there. <laughs> but Andrew did. <laughs> I can't. I will not kink shame you, sir. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. What's great about this is I get to go back and edit out all the shit that I say. That's bad. But I think if I think it's you, if I think you're funny, then you're in there. <laughs> um, let's see. Where were we? What's your favorite beer? My favorite beer is uh, the one where I had the highest bank account balance, the best friend sitting next to me, and the the nicest, snowiest weather uh, outside the, a beautiful picture window. Doesn't even matter what the beer was. It's the, it's, it's about uh, what my best experience was, and that'll be my best beer, my favorite beer. I um, have a similar opinion. It's basically impossible to ever say what your favorite beer yeah. is, or even your favorite brewery, because it always is like, well, let's see, was it the fourth brewery I visited that day, or yeah, <laughs> you know, like I, I I put my favorite breweries, I guess, into. Uh, categories you can categorize your favorite breweries but as an overall favorite brewery it's really really hard yeah because uh, you might have a brewery and I can think of some that I, I won't name but I can think of breweries that I might say are my favorite venues uh, and they're not even I'm not even talking about a brewery in the Seattle area um, so I can think of breweries that I would say are my favorite as far as venue go but I don't think their beer is that great mm-hmm. but I can be like that's a great brewery but I don't go there for the beer I go there to hang out at the venue yeah. or, or the opposite I can think of breweries who have outstanding uh, beer, but don't have that great of a venue. So, and, and I might, if I'm in the mood to think about venues, or I might think one's my favorite, or if I'm in the mood to think about beer, I might think the other's my favorite. But so, so I, I guess the point is, uh, I think it's important to categorize your favorite breweries uh, like that because you know different breweries are really strong and sometimes weak in, in many different areas. Mm-hmm. That's one of the struggles. So I'm right. So I write this blog about what we you know about breweries. Wait, wait you're a blogger. <laughs> what? Yeah. I'm a blogger. I, I don't know if I mentioned that. You know, I, you should start a, a blog about like riding bicycles and drinking beer. <laughs> Goddamn. Trouble with is the fact that I want to categorize breweries and stuff and say like, well, this is the great way to go. This is the reason you will like. Is, no one ever has like a favorite brewery, but they have reasons they will like a yeah, certain brewery. Yeah, exactly. So I want to have, there's, there needs to be some magic formula for pairing people up with their perfect brewery. Mm-hmm in whatever moment they need it, right? And then then ideally, you put all those on a bike route. <laughs> that yeah. would be perfect. So that's the struggle there. Actually, do you have any events or anything you want to plug coming up soon? Uh, there's going to be a spring beer release on April 21st. We're going to have a food truck and release three spring beers. We're going to be a, going to be releasing a rosemary saison, a lavender old ale, and a uh, chamomile IPA on April 21st, uh, 2018. April 1st, 2018. I like how you threw the, the year. Yeah, well, who knows when people are listening to this, right? Exactly. No, you're totally right. All right. Well, Greg, I think that, I think we got it. I think that was perfect. So cool. thank was, you very much. It was, it was a pleasure 100 talking out of 100 perfect. Thanks, thank everybody. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Greg, for talking to me. And thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, then you can go to cyclingcicerone.com to find the other episodes and the blog. Cheers.